Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Opportunity Knocks. I am your host, Dean Miller, and I am honored to present a guy that just makes me smile in everything he does and says. I'm not going to drag this on in any way, shape, or form because he's going to bring way too much value and entertainment, I think, to us over the next 45 minutes to an hour. The one and only Rev Ciancio. Rev, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, well, you typically would start by like thanking the host for having me on the show because I'm grateful, but I feel like you set me up for failure with that intro. Like now I got to live up to all that. So I'm not sure if I'm supposed to thank you, but I'll do my best. Uh, it's, it's like it's I, tell pe- I tell people all the time, my role in life is never to be the hero of the story. It's to be the guide. So if, if you do not live up to that, I take 100% responsibility for it. All right. You know, I took a, one of those Myers-Briggs tests once, which like, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, but I work for a company and they made you do it. And I tested an ENFJ and I don't expect anybody to know what that is, but essentially it's Dumbledore, like Dumbledore's character is an ENFJ. And like for two years of work and walking around that company, I was going to be like, hmm, I am the great and wise teacher. Like <laughs> it was the worst thing that ever happened to my ego. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a fan of the disc personality test and, and, you know, coming from the real estate world, we we're always studying people and and we do personality profiling and we're always profiling people around us not for a negative not to take advantage of them but to understood i always tell people you sell to people in a way that they want to be sold to and you never have to sell to them so you you engage and you be an you be an authentic person but there comes a point in life where you have to become a chameleon and adjust to the room around you otherwise you're going to become the pariah and the, and the social outcast so i i i do appreciate the fact that some people love and obsess about it and other people want nothing to do with it at all yeah, I mean, it did set the tone for me for a minute, but I definitely like it went to the head. Like it totally went to the head. And I and the whole time I was there, I kept thinking about like, oh, what if I had gotten like somebody I really hate? Like, what if I had become a Harry Potter character like I didn't align with? And they actually, I went and looked, and you can look up, you can Google like Star Wars Myers Briggs, yep. you can Simpsons Myers Briggs, and I was like, oh, you know, where else is these? And when I looked up uh, Star Wars, I got Padme. And I'm like, okay, she wow. was pretty, she was a badass, but like. Ah, not my favorite character. Right. Like I, we're gonna go with Dumbledore. <laughs> I I I often get Yoda and Obi Wan because I I do I do live that be the guide kind of mentality, and I sure, I sure. love I love to teach, and I tell people this all the time. The reason why I love to get the opportunity to teach is not because of my ego. It's not that I want to be on the stage under the spotlight. It's because I'm a selfish sob, and I know every time I get a chance to teach, I learn more than everyone else in the room combined. And yeah, so I, uh, so Obi Wan is an INFJ. Okay. You, you were the introvert version of me. It's a good possibility. I, I could definitely see that. You know, I know way too much about this. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I know. Like, <laughs> like I, I never studied Myers-Briggs. I, I went down the, the, the uh, Dr. Maslow uh, 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 Marston uh, aisle with the disc stuff. But let's, let's get off of that and stop psychoanalyzing each other before we both end up on a couch shedding a tear over some silly reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might do that anyway if I like drop a hamburger, you know, and, and that let let's go right there. Um, so so Rev is one of those guys who I met back in my hospitality days when I was opening my restaurant. I was researching how the hell to do this. Uh, and I knew nothing about opening a restaurant. It's a long story. I shared enough of it that anybody who's listened to more than a few episodes can regurgitate it for me. Uh, but uh, coming from the real estate world, knowing that marketing was what we what we did and how we attracted an audience, I knew we had to do it in the restaurant world. And Instagram was becoming the foodie heaven uh, that it still is, I think. Uh, foodies, foodies and fashion, I think, are the two things that take over more of Instagram than anything else. But I stumbled across this guy. And I, stum- I stumbled across an account called Fun With Fries. And I was like, how the hell does an account all about French fries have like 100,000 followers or whatever the number was at the time? What's it now, about 300 and something thousand on there? Uh, we're, we're approaching 400. There you go. So, so I followed him and, and knowing how to fall down the rabbit hole and dig a little bit deeper, I found out more and more. And this guy was associated with a, a club of guys who love traveling the city and trying different burgers and different steaks and eating like complete gavones. And that was the menu we were building. And I was like, I got to get, I got to get a hold of this guy. I got to learn more about him. And I, while I own the restaurant, I never really connected with you in the city, but I connected with a lot of the people who connected with you. And I learned the value of Instagram very quickly and it wasn't getting likes and comments so much. It was about engaging with people. And I met some of the greatest food influencers as a result of understanding who you were and watching how you worked. Um, and Rev, in my opinion, is a marketing guru. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him here. He is all about marketing and systems. Um, but 
coming from a place of, of being authentically him. Like we mentioned right before the, before the show, there is there is no other version of him that he can be. So, Rev, before we start, tell people what you do and a little bit about who you are. Uh, again, thanks for the very incredible intro that I hope to live up to. Uh, I'm a I'm a hospitality marketing consultant, a husband, and a father. Um, I have a couple of different levels of clients. So some of my clients are you know restaurants and restaurant groups who are looking to better align to their customer's journey. Essentially, they want to attract more customers uh, and retain and um, get drive return trips from their customers. So that's some of my customers. Uh, some of my clients, I also work with really incredible software companies that empower restaurants to actually have better customer journeys. So I'm kind of working both sides there. And then I also work with um, brands who are looking to gain awareness from both consumers and restaurant operators. So uh, and most people think marketing, people still think marketing is about like making logos. Yep. Uh, that's creative. I'm not good at that. I'm actually very bad at that. All that my stick, even my stick figures don't look like stick figures. <laughs> um, I work in, in the side of branding that aligns to sales. So I help organizations to create content and marketing systems that drives more revenue. So how do they get more leads? How do they close sales faster? Uh, and how do they retain customers longer? And it's about, it's about creating that customer loyalty. You know, that was, that was the thing that I, I really learned quickly. Um, you know, I obsessed over what you were doing. I read everything that Danny Meyer did. I watched every episode of Bar Rescue, and, and I dug deep into what John Taffer taught. I didn't just watch the Hollywood version of who he was on TV. <laughs> it was about getting customers back in that, that back in that third time so that they could come back in that fourth time without me having to do anything to bring them in on top of the service and the experience we provided. Um, yeah, nowadays it's not even just about getting them to come back in, right? It's also about getting them to leave you a review, exactly. to make a recommendation on a social network, to share a photo. Like it's not just the return trip. It's all these other things that leave impressions to drive the trip. That's right. And and that was, you know, that was one of the things I, I learned quick in the business. And I, I, I like telling this story because it, it resonates with a lot of people from what I've been told. And I've gotten a lot of feedback on it. When I got into the business, everybody who I knew who thought they were experts told me, avoid Yelp, run away from it. Don't do anything. Yelp is the devil. And I, I come from a service business and I, I've, I've learned that the real estate industry really is very, very similar to the hospitality industry in so many ways. So what I did, I'll never forget, and I'll, I'll tell the story as quick as I can. When we first opened up, we got eight reviews inside of the first two weeks that we opened the doors and we did very little to, to promote the place. It was just very directly in the neighborhood. We marketed to the people walking by the front door um, and we got eight reviews and they were all four and five stars and it was great. And the staff was so excited. And then the ninth review came in. And I walk in one day, I walk in, uh, we were opening up at about four at the point, at that point, I walked in at about one staff started trickling about one, one fifteen, one thirty, And, and as they all got there, I could see them all and their faces are sad. I'm like, guys, snap out of it. What the hell's going on today? Did you see Yelp? Matter of fact, I did. And they're like, oh, this sucks. They're so angry. They're all upset. And I smiled and I said, this is the greatest thing in the history of this place to ever happen. We got a negative review and they're like, why? And I said, okay, I have experience in this world in customer service. They're, they're in the world of very transactional, providing the customer great experience, move on next, next, next and churn. I'm the relationship guy. I said, watch this. And within a half an hour, I replied to that review on Yelp in a very humble way and said, Hey, I am so sorry. You did not have the experience that we hoped for at a minimum. Every one of our guests would have B you're very right in the things that you said went wrong. And I, I sincerely apologize. It's a mistake on my part as the owner for not making sure that people were trained or processes or whatever. And I, I humbly apologize. And I said, and if you ever have the opportunity to come in and give us a second chance, I would love for you to do it and not tell me who you were until after you get the bill. And sure enough, two weeks later, this woman walked in and says, hey, I'm Mary so-and-so. I'm like, well, Mary so-and-so, did we do the job right for you? She goes, it was like a completely different experience. I don't know what you did but thank you. I'll be back. And Mary became a, a very much a regular. And in the world of Yelp, I always, I replied to every single review. And I'm a believer that the customer's always right until they're not, because there are times where customers overstep their bounds. I'm, I'm, I hate to admit it, but it, it is our reality. So I started replying to the bad reviews immediately. And I got to the point where I got a reputation where we were getting reservations from people who said, I want to come in and find out if the guy who's writing all those replies is real. 
<laughs> and I had no problem dropping a few four letter words in my replies. Do you have to edit them kindly for, for Yelp to share them? <laughs> but that I, I was that guy. And if I had to call you out publicly, I would, and I had no problem doing it. And we built a fan base as a result of it. So Yelp is only the devil, depending on how you want to look at it. You got to learn how to, you got to learn how to dance with the devil sometimes. Uh, I believe that fear lives on the edge of your own transformation, right? Great way to put it. And so Yelp and people hating Yelp is literally on the edge of their transformation. Yep. And you did not make an agreement with fear, right? No. You're like, we're just, I, I accept that you are here. And we're going to move past that. Yep. That's, that's strong, man. And that's a mentality that I think all business owners should have. Yeah. And I, I think more should, I think not enough give themselves credit for it. Hey, be authentically you. And if you don't like it, call people out. I mean, hell, New York City and Long Island in particular, the worlds that, I, that I've lived in, everybody thinks they're an expert at everything. And I have no fear of the guy sitting drunk in his underwear in his closet writing a bad review about me at four in the morning. I'll come right back at you with guns, guns blazing. And I think more people need to do that. Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact number, but there was a poll. I think Jay Bear did it like a year ago. And people, 75% of people do not expect a response at all. At all. Right? So if you, if you are a, a business owner, forget about restaurants, and you just reply, you just reply, you are 76% better than all of your competitors. Yep. It's like, it's, how easy is that? It's amazing how simple it is, right? But why the hell don't we do more of it? But you're right. You know, the, the, audience, is, the audience is there for a reason, and we, we need to serve them in whatever way, shape and form possible or that they need. So let's, let's dive, let's dive into your world. Let's, I, I want to talk a little strategy, maybe a few tactics as we, as we wind down uh, and then share some of the things that you have coming up. And, and I'm going to say this because you're in the hospitality world. I don't want people to get turned off by that. I think this applies to every industry. Um, it's, it's worked for me in multiple industries. And I think if you get a little creative and think a little bit outside the box, you can find things that Rev's going to talk about and things that he does that will apply to pretty much any industry, whether it's product driven or service driven, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say this like from an egotistical manner, but I could switch to like home services tomorrow. It would take me three months to ramp back up to a similar, like, cause the principles are the same, right? right. Business is business. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got something to offer. Somebody needs it. How do we create that reciprocity? So my HVAC, my HVAC guy texts me and asks me how to reply to Yelp reviews. I love it. <laughs> Send them my way. I got no problem doing it. I'll read them and help them write them. As, as long as it's in his voice, I'll put the thought in anybody's head. And I think, you know, and along another line, I think that's another part of it is I don't think you can outsource a lot of this stuff. You can outsource, mm -hmm. you can outsource the assistance of it and some of the things that take up the time, but it has to be authentically the business owner's voice. Agree? Yeah, or, or the business needs to have a voice. It, ex exactly. And in a, in a small, and I say that because as a, as a super small business, the voice is mine. As the organization grows, the business creates its own voice that's influenced by the owner typically. Totally. Or, or by the consumers, depending on how, on how, you, how you position yourself. So tell me a little bit about, um, I, I'll, I'll take you down a path. With the change in climate lately as a result of, of the coronavirus and the shutdown, and I'm not harping on the negative, but a ton of restaurants have had to pivot. A lot of those restaurants are going to go out of business, which is an unfortunate thing. Uh, but some of those businesses may have deserved to go out of business because they weren't doing the right thing. I've been, so we started an account a while back called If You Live Here or If You Live Here Long Island, and it's supposed to highlight the places that you, could, you would love to enjoy if you lived here. Uh, and it's, it's gotten some good feedback. It's in very small growth stage right now. We're, we were, we're still in planning modes, but we've been testing things out and getting great feedback. And one of the things that blows my mind is as we promote other restaurants without them even asking, we were doing a takeout series for Christ's sake. We're buying food. We're bringing it to the studio. We had floating chicken wings and burgers the other day in one of the videos with the green screen. It was fantastic. Man. Uh, I can't, I can't be invited to that one. Jeez. Yeah, listen, I'll send you the, I'll send you the video. You, you're more than happy to, uh, yeah. Bur bourbon barbecue wings. It's like bourbon and wings, two of my favorite things in the world. Um, so but one of the things that I've noticed because I've been studying it is that most of the local restaurants and businesses that have been open as it was during, during the last three months, every time I'm on Facebook or Instagram, I'm not seeing anything from any of them. There's no local ads. I'm still getting the ads from all these big companies internationally. And it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Talk to me about content creation for these places, what they should be doing and where they're missing out on opportunities that you see so far. 
How much time do we have? I'm going uh, to lay down and take a nap right now. <laughs> okay, as long as the record button's on. Um, I actually put out an ebook yesterday um, and presented and read, basically like telling children's story, read it live on Facebook about what restaurants should be doing or even businesses in general should should do to announce the reopening, right? And I'm happy to send it to you if you want to share it with anybody. I would love really, it. Really, it comes down to three things. And this is a t- this is a right now thing, right? This is what everybody should be doing right now. Okay. There's three things in the reopening. You need to go big, right? You need to go big, 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 big. Uh, and that could be a giveaway. You could put, you know, flags out in the front of your store or your business, but you basically need to treat your reopening like a grand opening and everything that you would put into play to open a new location or a new business or a new service. You got to do that and more now, right? And part of that to answer your question a little more directly is go on to on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and Google and email and wherever you have a digital footprint and share, 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 share. We are open. We are open. We are open. We are open, right? Sharing it one time is only going to hit a small subset of people, right? You need to make sure that Everybody knows that you are open. You have to treat it like a grand opening. And if you want to put some money into Facebook ads, I highly recommend it. Um, I've been recommending to especially restaurants throughout all of COVID that they do Facebook advertising. Um, I've seen many, many cases where restaurants were spending 10 bucks a day, nothing, and getting hundreds of orders a day, right? Because we were all at home eating lunch, yep. right? So so go big. That's number one. Um, uh, number two is to create something absolutely special. Right. And so again, I'll use the restaurant industry because that's where I live, what I do, but like give a pizza away every day, give away a thousand dollar gift card. Uh, if you're a service provider, you know, I'll, you know, if you're a plumber, um, I'll do free plumbing checks for your house once a week for a year, like give the biggest, craziest giveaway you can and have people register to win, like give them a reason to engage with and think about you and share that. And, and the last thing that people really need to do, and this probably should actually be number two, uh, is whatever practices you're putting into place to be COVID-19 compliant, like whatever sanitization or staff PPE, or like whatever the thing is you're doing, like that should be, you should be sharing that three times a day, every day for two weeks on every social channel. You got to give people uh, a peace of mind that they're going to have a comfortable, safe experience with your business, whatever it is. If you're doing all three of those things right now and you're, you've got the foot on the gas of putting content, you're live on Instagram, you're putting in your Facebook feed, you're updating Google My Business three times a day. If you're doing that for the, the two to three weeks around your, let's call it grand reopening, right. you're going to outshine all of your competitors. And even though we don't know when that grand reopening date is, they should start doing it now. Oh yeah. Don't right. wait. I mean, start yeah. sharing stuff now, but you know, just know that that's coming and start planning. That's for it. it and I, I think you'll be so much ahead of the game. I know, I know there are places that have thrived as a result of this that have gone from, I don't want to say white linen tablecloths and white gloves and, and, you know, Dom Perignon on every table, uh, but places that are, that are, have a higher ticket average who have completely pivoted and gone from, you know, $45 halibut and $55 steaks to, to $50, fried chicken complete dinners for a family of four uh, and are doing a great job with that and are, are now torn between do I go back to the old way or do I completely go away from it and change my entire business model? Uh, and I love seeing some of the creativity that's going on from some of the local businesses here that we have been highlighting, um, how they're, they're just going with the flow and saying when people started coming out with those family meals, uh, within a couple of days of this happening, it was like, man, I could bring comfort food home from a local business with a great guy who's smiling when he hands it to me, even though he's wearing that damn mask, you could see that ear to ear smile, how much he appreciates you being there. Um, I think, I think you threw some brilliant advice out there. Now I wanted to, where, where was I? You, you mentioned a line in there creating a digital footprint. And I, I want to go tactical with you for a few minutes here because it's, it's important. Let's def- And so many people in the restaurant business struggle with any kind of social media, fear the camera and all the other things. Talk to me about what kind of advice you would give to a business owner or a restaurant. It doesn't matter whether they're restaurant, re- real estate or something else. Talk to me about how to go about creating that digital footprint. And let's define it first. Um, can I share? Can I do a little mini presentation? There's a video here, right? 
Yeah. For people that watch this on well, video. Listen, I'm, I'm recording the, I'm recording the, the video and the audio separately, but we're going to, we're going to play both of them back. So if you want to take over the screen for a few minutes and, and share something, we can, uh, we can chop it up in the audio and, and, and do a few little tweaks if we have to, to make it work. Okay. So I'll narrate it as well. So for people listening, okay. And, and, and for me and Dean who are looking at my screen, there's a picture of a Snapchat logo. Okay. This is what the customer journey is like to order one meal from a restaurant today in 2020. Okay. So I'm going to go see something on my friend's Snapchat about your restaurant or your business. I'm going, Ooh, you have my interest. I'm going to go there. So what am I going to do at that point? Well, I'm going to pop over to Google and I'm going to Google your business. I'm going to look for your hours of operation and your phone number and your reviews. I'm, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at pictures of your business. What are you posting? What are your customers posting? What are they showing? Like, what does that look like? I'm still in research mode. Even though my friend said it was great, I'm still looking. What's the next thing I do? I go to Yelp and I'm looking at your reviews and I'm seeing what other customers say. If I choose to do business with you, am I going to get, what, what can I expect? What can I expect to get from that experience? Again, I still haven't, I haven't even decided to transact with your business. What's the next thing I do? You're a restaurant. I go look at your menu. What are you serving? I got a four-year-old. He only eats hot dogs. I got to know if you have them, right? My wife's like, we've been eating a lot of burgers, Rev. You're right. She's going to say we should eat a salad. They're going to look at your menu. What happens? Okay, now we're going to go to your website. Do you need a reservation? Can I order ahead? What does this look like, right? We're now at six digital touch points, right? I haven't even eaten. You don't even know my name yet. You haven't even put on a pair of pants yet. Yeah. Okay. This looks good. We're going to make a reservation. We're coming by. Right. And again, this is afterwards. We're not in reservation mode yet, but that's going to happen. People are going to come eat in your restaurant again. Then what's going to happen? I'm going to share your content with whoever I'm taking. I'm taking my wife. I want to see the menu. I'm meeting up with some friends. I want to show the things, right? You do know my name at this now point, but I've had seven touch points with you. After I've shared that, then what happens? I need directions to the restaurant. So I need your address. I'm going to put them in the ways, right? Or maybe I take a ride share. Maybe I call an Uber. Again, I need your information. That app needs to have your information, right? What goes on from there? Boom. I'm in the restaurant. I'm looking at your menu. I don't know what to order. I'm going to go to your Instagram and see what the photos look like. Mm, That does look good because there aren't pictures on your menu, right? I need to know. Then what happens? Well, in the new the new normal, and I know we're kind of sick of saying that already, yep. we're probably going to have a digital menu. So now I'm going to go back to my phone. I'm going to go back to your digital menu, and I'm going to look at what I want to order. Then at the end of the meal, you're going to take my credit card, but we're doing contactless payment now, right? We're doing Apple Pay. We're doing Swipe Ahead. We're ordering online, whatever, okay? Then afterwards, you're going to want to know how I felt. So you're going to ask me a sentiment. You're going to send me a survey, or you're going to ask me to leave a review on Yelp. And then what's going to happen? I'm going to leave you a review. That is 16 digital touch points. I've eaten a sandwich. Okay. (laughs) Like that, like when I talk about a brand being uh, in control, they have to realize that there is so many digital touch points in the universe for a customer to come have a transaction with you, that to make sure that you get the best of that customer and they get the best of you, that your brand needs to be updated, correct, and accurate in all of the places along your customer journey. It's amazing, right? It, it's just mind blowing that, that like there, there were 15 different logos in that one piece. And it literally, you could have went there and ordered chicken fingers and fries. And, yep. and it took all of that. But the data that is pulled from that is also something that every restaurant needs to leverage. Yep. Right. But I, I think it's any business, right? Like I, gave, I, you a I, restu- I gave you a restaurant example. Again, that's my lens. But I could do the same thing for a plumber. I could mm-hmm. do the same thing for, you know, a, a, a hardware store. Like the sa- the journey is the same. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of the things I enjoyed when we really said we're doing this. Um, we did in 2019, we did, it was either 11 or 12, depending on the closing dates. We did referrals of averaging $800,000 property sales around the country as a result of our Instagram efforts where it, people would come to people that I knew with our retargeting efforts and all the things that we did. And we dug deep where people would connect with me and engage. And I say, listen, uh, this is what I do. If there's anybody, you know, who I could be of help to let me know, I'd love to connect them with someone local. And I have, you know, I've built a network over 20 plus years of, of agents all across North America. There's, there's probably 3,500 names in my database of people that I've actually shook hands with or met face to face. This isn't just Instagram love. This is like real world contacts. Um, and as a result of some retargeting that we did, we were able to put, let, let's call it 12 people, average price, $800,000 connected with 
an agent in their local market that I would vouch for, that I would hire if I went to buy or sell something in that local market. There is such incredible leverage. And, and we got paid on every one of those transactions for doing nothing more than making a connection. So people need to focus on creating creating that, that level of noise. That's not just noise, but it, it creates connection. And I look at all the data points and all the, all the stuff that you just threw out there, and I said, man, it could seem so overwhelming, but with the right systems, it really is not that challenging, correct? Uh, it's not. I mean, it, it, it's not even, well, look, yeah, for sure a system's gonna make it easier and to make effort scalable, but it's more, you know, you gotta start with being concerned. Right. Right. You, you have to care about those things. You'll then prioritize which one of them is most important in, in the moment and which one needs a system. Look, I think, you know, I get asked this question a lot like, oh, what is a what is a what is the restaurant look like after coronavirus? Well, you know, I'm going to say this. I would like to thank coronavirus in a very strange way for finally allowing restaurants to let us use our phone. Yeah. Right. Well, we're in the in the restaurant and to transact <laughs> with us. And, you know, I think the restaurant as a model, because it's however many decades and centuries old or centuries and centuries old, was an in-service model. And it was a physical space. Right. Mm -hmm. I walked by. I traveled to I arrived on a pony, whatever, to your restaurant or your saloon. And I had an experience and I left. And when I was gone, that was it. Right. But then we got the Internet and we got phones. And now that restaurant, that experience is is not just a physical experience. The the customer journey goes online, offline, online, right? And if you want it, the customer journey for a restaurant is cyclical because you're actually trying to drive return trips. So if you can't go online, offline, online to back online to yep. offline, you've failed, yep. right? What what is it worth it for me to try a restaurant one time? Like, okay, put some money in the bank, but that doesn't pay your rent. No. And so I think that, you know, what is the change that that's happening is I think that restaurants and restaurant brands, and I'm talking McDonald's to, you know, the local Chinese restaurant need to find ways to align to their customer journey. If they want to drive return trips, good food and word of mouth is going to send you begging for your mortgage. Yep. It's so, it's so true. You know, we can't rely on, I don't, I had someone close to me open a restaurant once. And product was fantastic. The place was nice, more than nice enough. It was above average for the neighborhood. And I said, what's your marketing plan? He goes, it doesn't matter. I'm going to put the greatest product in their mouth that they'll ever have. And I'm like, so you expect to open the doors one day, put your arms out like Jesus Christ and expect the angels to sing and the masses to come flocking. And four <laughs> months later, they were out of business. Um, I've had others focus only on the marketing and sometimes the product suffered as a result of it because the chef who was also the owner decided they wanted to be the marketer and decided to learn how to be a marketer and didn't put the time and effort into, into putting the right product on plate and creating the standards in house. Um, all, all major mistakes, but you know, marketing and sales, there's always, there's always going to be that, that fight between them. Uh, but they've got to work hand in hand because they are two such, such totally different animals. And, and I think, again, it comes back to the voice of the business. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that earlier is how do we mesh all these things together? Uh, yeah. I, I have a client that I'm working with. Uh, he's a, a restaurant operator and he came to me and he's like, I love your Instagram. I want to have an Instagram as big as yours. Uh, and for those who have listening, have not seen, I have almost a hundred thousand followers and I'm like, cool. What's the value of a hundred thousand followers? Like, oh well, this thing's gonna happen, and that thing's gonna happen, and this thing's gonna happen. And I was like, that's not how it happens. No. I mean, that's more of like what happens because you've done all the other things, right? Yep, exactly. And, and, and he was like, I'm on board. Let's do it. And so I'm working with him, and you know, we started our program together. And the, you know, he was expecting on day one that you know, what hashtag should I use, and what time of day should I post, and you know, who should I tag in the photos, which are good questions. We haven't even opened that up yet. You know what we're talking about? Who is your brand? Yep. What do you want to be known for? What are your values? Who's your target audience? And when we can clearly figure out those and they live inside our heart, then we can figure out what hashtags to use and what pictures to post and what time of day. And that piece is so important. I would say the same thing to a service operator. You could be the absolute greatest electrician on the world in the world how are people finding out about it yep. and how are you getting people to trust you and then use you again? When you figure that piece out or what your differentiator is, then just being a great electrician is like icing on the cake. Cause I call a hundred electricians and have you 
uh, put together this light switch, which by the way, I'm so bad with electronics. I can't even put together a light switch. <laughs> it, here's rule number one. When you're doing electrical work, don't stand near water. That's about as much as I know about how to be an electrician. Uh, so, so for me, it would be call somebody else and don't stand. Near that, water. That's what I tell people all the time. Is, Listen, I can fix any problem in the world. I got a guy. I pick up the phone, I call him, and I write a check for him. I don't do that. <laughs> I, had hang, I had to hang some pictures in the house the other day, and I stepped back, and, like nine times, I stepped back and forth. I'm like, is that right? I wish there was someone here. who. And I actually knew a guy who was like the master at hanging pictures. The house looks so uniform. Like I just slap it up on the wall and say, it's big enough. It looks good there. <laughs> we, had a, we had an issue with our tub. Uh, I won't go long here, but like, I was like, I, I can figure this out. I Googled it. I saw a YouTube video. I was like, oh, something's just stuck in the return, whatever. And I have a snake. I'll go do it. So I get in the tub and I take the the return off and I put the snake down there and it's stuck and nothing's moving. And now there's stuff backing up in the tub. And, you know, I spend like an hour and a half and all I've done is literally make a mess. That's it. Uh, and, and, but I was like, you know, I'm a homeowner. I'm a dad. I should figure this out. Yeah. Uh, and so I call a plumber. And he comes over and it takes him like seven minutes, literally seven <laughs> minutes to fix it. He's like 180 bucks. There you go. You know, I wasn't mad at all because I was paying for all of the education and all of the years of service and all that stuff. And I really should have not wasted my own hour and a half and, and just called him. And thank you for putting it that way, because I, I think more and more people, especially in service industries, need to look at it that way and say, you know, people are not paying you for the immediate result that you're going to get them. Listen, I, I, you've heard me say it a million times. I'm in real estate. You're not hiring me to sell your house because I'm not selling it. I'm the one there to create a market for it. And the reason why I get paid well to do it is because I've been doing it for 20 plus years and I've mastered the art of creating a market for you. So if I do my job well in three minutes, I probably deserve a raise as opposed to a cut because I did it fast. But that's, <laughs> you know, that's my own, that's my own opinion. And I don't think I'm wrong, but you're right. More people, people get paid for the years of experience that they have to do things, which is why you look at, you look at good restaurants and you look at good chefs. They start as a, you know, as a dishwasher and a pot washer. They work their way up salad chef, sous chef, executive chef. Uh, somebody keeps texting me and it's driving, hey, me. It's driving, me. Guy, it's driving me crazy. I'm going to tell him, leave me alone. Um, Oh, well, I just thought he was rewarding me for having great ideas. That's that's Being what great it is. Idea, Rev. He's he's stalking <laughs> us live and he's listening and he says, "Wow, this guy is so brilliant that I just got to give him the whole the whole Family Feud survey <laughs> says number one answer." Uh, listen, I'll stroke your ego and do that for you. I got no problem with that. Um, but you know, the reason why the reason why these high end restaurants get away with charging so much is not only because of the product they put you know the product they put on the plate and the experience they create is as a result of years and years of experience. And some chefs go up and charge more and more and others say, you know, look at what Danny Meyer did. He went the, he pivoted, went the complete other direction. Shake Shack, look at Shake Shack compared to some of his other places. You could eat at Shake Shack 10 times for what it would, for a family of four, what did it cost you for a, a single dinner some, some nights in some of his oh, places? I, I, one, I will give a small argument there. I went and had their steak frites at the beginning of COVID. It was 25 bucks. So, you know, yeah. All right. Listen, but, but you could do it and listen, fries and red meat. I'm sure you enjoyed it. You know, unless oh, it's right. Is it right down the center of my alley, man? <laughs> I said, I said to someone, they asked me who you were. I was talking about to some of the upcoming guests. And I said, they said, tell me who Rev is. And I said, Rev is a guy who looks at life very simply. Extra protein belongs on pizza. And based on the conversation you had on the, the IG live you did the other day, extra protein does not belong on top of a burger. I d wow, you did watch. Yes, I, I don't. Uh, with the exception of bacon done the right way, I don't think protein on protein makes sense on a hamburger. <laughs> but it. But from the time we went, we were out in San Diego. It was the only thing that belonged on a pizza. <laughs> no veg allowed on Rev's pizza. So don't don't give him any of that pineapple or any green stuff unless it's Italian herbs that are dried and cooked in the sauce. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me the other day about a hamburger. Like, oh, what do you like on your burger? And I was like, onions and cheese. Yeah. And they were like, what else? And I was like, well, I mean, I'll eat other things, but I don't need anything else. They're like, what about lettuce and tomato? And I was like, that's not food. That's what food eats. <laughs> and they're like, what do you, what do you think about a turkey burger? And I was like, is that a vegetable? Right. I don't that, know what that, that is. That that's not a burger. Count. Tofu and turkey burgers. <laughs> and listen, I'm all for a good grilled portobello mushroom done right, but it still does not replace a burger. It's not a burger. Yeah. You know, we did, we did a, we did one of our, our takeout series shows the other day and there's a place near us called Kraft uh, and they used the Pat Lafrida burgers and the, the sweet, the, is it sweet or Schweiden sons? 
Schweid. Schweid and Sons. Their burgers are fantastic. I find them in, the, in some of the butcher shops here locally. And the Pat Lafritas, quality-wise, it's just, you know, you could just eat the burger and be happy with it. You know, a little little salt and pepper on it maybe, and that's about it. But it, it, I, I'm blown away by some of the craziness. I mean, and, and we, we're just as guilty of it. We did every kind of burger under the sun that had everything, every color with a rainbow on it. And hell, the stuff sold. Listen, if it makes you happy. But I'm a purist like you. Put a, put a good, solid piece of bacon on there, some cheese. Saute the onions in the bacon fat. That's my one, that's my one trick I tell everybody is don't, don't ever waste that stuff. You cook more in it. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I like all those other burgers. I do. And I do other yeah. things. I just don't think it's necessary. Like I've never had a protein on protein burger situation that I was literally like, Oh my yeah. God, that was a two plus two equals 49. Yeah. Like that's never happened. Right. I, <laughs> so, so you did, you did a series of the 24 best burgers around or 24 bur. I don't know if you called it the 24 best burgers, but 24 burgers, you got to try. It was 24 burgers you haven't eaten but should. That's that's it. Thank you. So <laughs> tell me, as a guy from North Jersey, New York City, you're exposed to some of the greatest places around. In your experience, anywhere, what's the best burger in the world? Um, so I get asked that question all the time. And the truth is, I don't have a one. I'm an equal, equal opportunity burger eater. Okay. H- however, I did once have a favorite burger. And unfortunately, that restaurant no longer exists. But my favorite burger I've ever eaten was at a place called Rub Barbecue. I don't know if you were there, 23rd and uh, 23rd and 7th in the city. Okay. Uh, they got shut down because of Sandy. They were like in the blocks uh, that didn't gotcha. have power. Yeah. And that kind of crushed him a little bit. He barely got the restaurant back open after Sandy. And somebody drove a Hummer through the front door. And he was oh, like, that's it. We're out of here. Yeah, that, that's, that's a sign <laughs> that, that you just have to move on to something else. What? But you'll appreciate this. Years later, I kept in kind of contact with the guy that owned that place. And out of nowhere, I just popped him. I was like, hey, where are you these days? He's like, oh, I bought a honky talk bar like at the top of the Rocky Mountains. Like, how do you go from Chelsea to that? But okay. He's like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah. And I got the same chef. I was like, you know, literally typing out, are you doing the burger? Wow. And he beat me. He's like, we are doing the burger. And I was like, I have to get out there. So you've so got I did. The- I, it's like four hours north of Denver, like way up in the mountains, population 1100. Like, I'm not kidding. It was middle of nowhere. Wow. I drove all the way out there just to get the burger. And like, it wasn't as good. Uh, there's just something, but man, that burger was awesome. Yeah. There's, some, there's something about when you... I tell people this in the, in the pizza business all the time. When I talk to them, you can't, you can't duplicate New York style pizza unless you bring the water with you. There's something about the funk in that water that just makes it that much better, that much different. So unless you, unless he's importing those, those buns from New York or someplace around here, it's not going to work out. So let's redefine it. What makes the best burger? Oh man. Um, Whew. So, all right, here's a, so here's some of my ground level rules for the best burger. If you're making it at home, right? I would tell an operator the same thing. Fresh, never frozen. Okay. For, I understand why frozen exists, especially in a COVID situation where short supply, like that's okay. But regular life, fresh, never frozen. Um, my favorite. So I love a 75, 25, right? And that's for those that you don't know, that's a fat to lean ratio. Most of burgers you eat in your life are, are uh, 80, 20 yep. or 15, 85. People eat these lean burgers. I don't know what planet they're from. It's not the one I live on. Um, they should just eat cardboard and be happy with themselves. <laughs> um, well, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, I love 70, 25. People will tell you you need chuck brisket, short rib. You know, na- Somebody told me a burger with navel the other day. You don't eat any of that. It's good. Eight, 75, 25 chuck is perfect. If you can get certified Angus beef prime 25, 75 Chuck, you've like hit Valhalla, but 75, 25 Chuck, you're, you're, you're doing great. Salt. You got to bring it to room temperature, Yep. salt and pepper, cook it on a super high heat. Um, I even, when I'm cooking on my grill, I still use a frying pan. So I put a frying pan on the grill. Um, if you could caramelize your onions, there's a number of ways to do it. Some people steam them with the burgers. Some people fry them. I actually reduce, but reduce them in butter and then reduce them in stout or porter. Yep. Gives it, it gives it like a sweet maltiness, uh, a nice squishy bun. And like you're in burger heaven, man. You don't need much more than That's that. That's it. I, I agree with you. Maybe a nice, a nice, you, you, you want to go the bacon route. You get a good solid thick piece of bacon, nothing that's going to crisp into a million pieces when you bite it and a good slice of cheddar. Now, now here's the secret. This is what most people fail to realize. Where should the cheese go? 
What do you mean where it should go on the in, in the order of the stack? Where does the cheese go? I I believe it should be under underneath the burger between the the burger between the bun and the burger on the bottom. That's my opinion. You sir are a master. <laughs> cheese always on bottom, and there's two really important reasons for that. Okay. First of all, there is no burger without cheese. We love the cheese. <laughs> Put the cheese closer to your taste buds, right? It just tastes good. But secondly, and this is really mathematically, scientifically important, it protects bun integrity, right? So if you have cheese underneath, it catches all the juice and it does not seep into the bun. Man, that's the, that is absolutely the way to do it. Which turns your bun into into a sponge full of of uh, of burger fat and juice, and that's yeah. I, you know, I, I I've always liked it that way. I never really put any thought into it. But this is this is the science behind restaurants. This is why not just anybody can open a restaurant. There's massive science that goes behind all of this stuff, from how you plate it to how you package it to how you put it on a menu, all those other things. There's massive science. And with science is more marketing. So let's let's um, let's spin back around to some of some of the other things you're doing. Because I, I want to give some people some more insight deep into the marketing into the marketing mindset that is you. Um, you talk about customer journey. You're one of the first guests that I've brought on that really emphasized it over and over again. Uh, and I greatly appreciate that because I think that's what it's all about. Go back in one more time and let's take the simple baby steps to define what the customer journey should be from the point of view of a business owner. What should they be trying to do? How should they be walking people through their processes and goals? And, and give me a little insight into the, into the mind of Rev and the customer journey. Uh, we're not going to go into the mind of the Rev, but I'll answer the rest. That's a scary place, man. <laughs> scary place. All the furniture is made out of marshmallows. We're not going there. Um, the temperature is just- very low then. Oh, yeah, very, very low. I mean, there's lots of air conditioning in there. Um, so, look, people ask me questions like this a lot, like, oh, how do I think about marketing, customer journey, blah, blah, blah. And here's what a lot of people fail to do. It's like so easy. You're a human, right? Before you're a business owner or an operator or whatever, like you're a human. When you have a need, whether it's getting your car washed or fixing your tub or buying home supplies, what do you do? What do you do? You probably sit down at a computer or pick up your phone and open a browser and maybe you search for whatever it is you're looking for or you go onto a social network and ask for people's opinions or like you do that. Then you take a couple of other steps, like go through your own discovery process. Now think about your business in the same way. Mm -hmm. How do people find your business? Well, they probably go online and they search for the business or they search for information about a business or they go into a social media and they share with their friends. So if you aren't thinking about your customer's journey the same way that you actually transact as a human, why would you disconnect yourself, right? The way you know how to naturally do something from your own business. And so, you know, my recommendation to people is like, here's what you do. Sit down in front of a, a in Google or Yahoo or whatever, DuckDuckGo, whatever your browser choice is. And the first thing you should do is Google your own business name. Google your own business name and just see what comes up. Click on the stuff. See what links come up in order. See which site. If your site comes up first, great. Okay, you don't have to worry about that piece. But if Facebook comes up first, you got a problem, right? What comes next? Is it Yelp? Is it TripAdvisor? Is it whatever your, whatever your thing is? If those are the first five things that you're seeing, those are the first five things everybody's seeing, you need to make sure that your brand is accurately represented on those five things, okay? So that's do that. When you're done with that, then go Google what it is the thing you do, but not your name. So, you know, I keep going to the service industry because it's an easy one. But, you know, if you're a realtor, just Google, and you're not in Birmingham, Alabama, just Google realtor Birmingham, Alabama, and see what comes up. If your name or your business doesn't come up, you got work to do, right? And look at the first five things that come up and look at what you think, what they're doing that you think they should be, what you should be doing because you should, yeah. right? When you see somebody who's more successful at something than you are, it's just proof that the model works, right? So go see what they're doing and take from it what makes and use your thing to it. So go do, do those two things. Google your name, see what comes up, see what, what you need to fix, Google your industry and your area and see what other people are doing. And that is like the perfect starting point. When you can do those two things, it'll start to build in your mind what that checklist is. Now, how do you execute them? Well, there's a ton of different software providers that can help you with that. And there's social media, blah, 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 blah. But you can at least 
know what your footprint looks like. You can at least think about where does your customer journey start? Those are the five places you need to think about. And think, and, and I, I love that. Think about it from the point of view of the consumer and talk to people in the way that you want to be spoken to. You know, it, it, choice of words blows my mind. You know, in the real estate industry, realtors all over the place, they love adjectives and they love long words. And <laughs> you know, it, it, it just amazes me that people tell a story, right? I mean, do your research, figure out what's where, tell the story of what you do, who you do it for. Get the, like you said, get those reviews, get those testimonials, share the, share the, the success of the people around you who you've put in a position to succeed really is kind of simple when you think about it, huh? Just requires yeah, an insane look, amount of time and effort, which is it's yeah, worth it. Yeah. And there's a lot of work to do there. I don't want to act like it's not, but people are just like, well, I don't know how to do it. I just gave you the roadmap to start to yeah. think about it. Right. And thinking about it is more, you got to think about it before you do it. Yep. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that and you use the word checklist because it came up in an episode we shot yesterday as well. And both of these will be up within, within the next three to five days is our goal because I, I just think there's so much valuable information and we are a little bit, I want to keep the time relevant. I don't want to let it sit, but we're actually going back more and more and reviewing some of our old podcasts, some because we're learning as we go along, how to build the audience and how to get more people to listen to it and, and get more people paying attention. We're actually going to take, like we did a masterclass yesterday on so many things in the real estate industry. And I think what's coming out of your mouth is pretty much a masterclass as well. And we're going to take this uh, and create checklists to share with people. And trust me, you're getting all the credit in the world from it because I want people to come and <laughs> listen you. to this because that there's huge value uh, in not only hearing what you have to say in, in the hour that we're spending here, but in consuming what you do. And, and uh, you know, if, if, if I can do anything to help you grow your audience, <laughs> trust me, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a fly. I'm a, I'm a gnat on the, on the, top of the water right now compared to some of the others, but I'm okay with that. I don't need 60,000 followers. I'm good with the, the 13. Four. We're actually one short of 1400 at the time of this recording. And I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I could not be happier about it. It's like, damn, 1400 people. I got a thousand people download the podcast. It blows my mind. Why the hell people want to listen to me? That's uh, awesome. But it, but it's great in that I, I get to to, to share the, the, the wisdom of so many other people that I've been blessed to, to cross paths with. Um, I want to respect your time. We're coming up on the hour. So let's talk about what, you know, you meant, you mentioned your, your reopening, the thing that I noticed that you have the event on Facebook, tell people where they could find you, what you're working on next before we wrap so that we can, we can hopefully help some business owners really maximize the opportunities that are in front of them today. Sure. And, and thank you for offering. And I, I look at every inbound email and message I get. So if you have an, if anybody listening to this or watching this has a question, don't hesitate to reach out. I'll check. If I think I can help you, I will. And I'm not trying to make money from you. I'm trying to help you. Um, the best way to, to find me is to search my name, Rev Ciencio. I'm sure nobody knows how to spell that. Uh, it is C-I-A-N-C-I-O. But if you can't find that, there's two other really easy ways to find me. Uh, my Instagram account with 400,000 followers is fun with fries. You can find that. Uh, <laughs> my name, Rev Ciencio is in the bio. You can just click that. Or the other way, if you Google expert burger taster, I will be the top six or seven results. Hey, dude, not to cut you off, but I didn't realize George Mons, who's like supposedly burger God. He is. Oh, Moats is definitely the burger Mo God. Moats, I, I have to be completely honest with you. I believe we we were in the same graduating class in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, he, I don't know awesome. him. I don't know him. I've learned of him in the restaurant world. And I'm not one of those guys that's ever going to chase someone down and says, hey, we went to high school together. We should be friends. But I've watched a lot of what he did as I exited the restaurant industry. And I was blown away by the amount of knowledge that this guy had. And I said, you know what? From what I do remember of him in high school, this is so different from who he was, but exactly the same person. <laughs> it just blew my mind. So I, I said, small, small world, you know, you cross paths with people. I always tell my kids, be careful what you say about other people. Cause the person standing behind you probably knows them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Moses is awesome. Yeah. He's yeah, a but, good, good guys and, and great stuff. He's got, uh, he, he, he's promoted some fantastic stuff and he's, and he is, I'm, I'm noticing more and more. He's kind of a legend in that industry for, for those who are in that, that culture. Uh, great stuff. Dude, I can't, I can't thank you enough. I know I kind of fizzled by jumping, jumping in there at the end. So that's, that's my bad. But, um, 
I listen, I appreciate the fact that you've taken the time. Like you said, Rev, Rev is the epitome of a giver. He's a fun loving guy. Uh, he's good people at the heart of, at the heart of it all. And that's what I appreciate the most. And the fact that you bring a wealth of knowledge. I loved when you were, when you were in the city and you were doing your morning walks and I would sit down every day for five or six minutes and watch you on IG live and just take little nuggets of whether it be wisdom or ideas or inspiration. Like this is, this is who, this is who Rev is. And if, if that kind of stuff resonates with you, you should definitely spend some time uh, stalking him on Instagram, but more importantly, connect and engage with him because look, this came from out of nowhere. We've been talking about this on and off for probably close to six, eight months. Um, yeah. And I've, I've watched your, your life evolve and your business evolve. And, and I feel like I, kn I know you a hell of a lot more than we really do, but <laughs> listen, it's, it's, it, he's the kind of guy that I know when I do run into him one of these days, COVID or not, he's kind of got it. I run up to give a big, big handshake and, and bear hug too, because it's just, you, you're, you're that kind of person. And, and it resonates a lot with me and I hope it does with our audience as well. I can't uh, thank that you. Was super, that was super kind. I really appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I have only very positive things to say about you and what you're doing. And I love the inspiration that you bring to people, man. It's yeah, really listen, I, I just like to kick some people in the ass and say, trust yourself, trust the process, <laughs> go do it. You're not going to make a fool of yourself. Trust me. If I'm not, if I'm not embarrassed by what I'm doing, you sure as hell shouldn't be because most people are a hell of a lot smarter than me is the way that I like to look at it. I just like to learn. Uh, dude, again, yeah, I'll say this. If anybody that listened to this was really pulled into the whole customer journey thing and really wants to do a deeper dive in about two weeks, I have an ebook coming out. It's aimed at restaurants, but the story is the same for whatever your business is. And it's called hungry for business, perfecting your restaurant experience in an online world. And it walks through all of this. What are the touch points, how to think about it? Where is your customer at? It's only like 15 pages long. You'll digest it in about 10 minutes, but it's coming out in about two weeks. And, and you could just, again, search my name, Red Ciencio. Yeah. It's going to be a free ebook. And it's meant to help help people figure out how to create a frictionless branded experience for their customers. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll hijack that stuff and share it as well and push people back to you because I, I've, I've read a lot of your stuff. I've studied a lot of what you've done, your, your, your journey through different companies that you worked with over the last couple of years. Uh, and there's huge value in it. And I definitely think people need to have an open mind to say, Hey, I could learn something from a guy in the restaurant business or in the real estate business. Even if I am a plumber or a janitor or a dishwasher or brain surgeon. There's business is business. And if you look at things with an open mind, which is where I think Rev comes from with everything with an open mind, uh, you can learn so much more about yourself, your business, your processes, and how to not only survive, but to thrive and expand and grow. Rev, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. I look forward to continuing the engagement online because you brought me a lot of laughs over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and I, I love what you're doing. And um, it, it's it's kind of pushing me away from my keto, my wannabe keto diet all too often, but then it pulls me back. So listen, more meat, more cheese, less, more protein here, less protein there. I think that's what it's all about. Oh you, man, don't forget the carbs. I love the carbs. I, it's, it's what scares me. Listen, I, there's not much I won't do for a really good pretzel bun, but that's an episode <laughs> for a whole other day. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Rev Ciancio. Rev, thank you so much for your time. Have a fantastic day. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, buddy, thanks for having me. Make it a great, tasty day. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we appreciate your time. If you've made it this long, you must be liking something that we're doing or we're driving you crazy. Give us a review. Give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you want to hear more of or less of uh, so that we can do a better job of bringing you content that is most important to you. Thanks so much for tuning in, for listening. Have a fantastic day.